0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. Check out all of our stories over at the michiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com. This is going to be a mostly basketball episode. I My, my hope is that it's 80 to 90% basketball. Um, obviously, Michigan did just hire a defensive coordinator, though. So before we talk about basketball, their first loss of the season, kind of where expectations are the rest of the way, looking at the NCAA tournament picture, uh, we will discuss Michigan football had kind of been implied, especially on our site as, as a foregone conclusion for almost a week, but Mike McDonald linebackers coach from the Baltimore Ravens uh, previous stop. I mean, he was at the Ravens for seven years previous stop was um at Georgia, where he went to school, got his MBA, was a grad assistant, that whole deal. Kind of a a big swing hire. You know, could could be an amazing hire, uh, but he has not been a coordinator. He has not been a play caller. He has not been an assistant coach in college. Uh, Plenty of risk, but certainly I don't think, I mean, again, Jim Harbaugh, Lot of lot of coaches out there. This is the one he chose. So Steve, we'll get into it more when there's a full staff. Because I think that that is a big part of this is you know who who does who does he surround himself with on the defensive side of the ball. But um your initial thoughts on Michigan settling on Mike McDonald for the defensive coordinator hire.
1: Do we know that they settled?
0: They chose him. I didn't mean settled for. Okay. Him. All right. Uh, I didn't know. Settled didn't... on. Settled on is different than settled okay. for.
1: Okay. Um. Obviously, it's a it's a fascinating hire in the regard that we don't know much about him, as far as a play calling situation goes. He's young. I like, what's he? Thirty three. I believe. Thirty five. Yeah. Thirty five. Um. You know. Biggest response I got when I asked around about him was energy and that recruiting, at least the effort on the recruiting trail should not be a problem. And as far as at least the effort aspect of it goes, right. Um, which is, you know, 65% of the battle. I don't know. It's a, it's a large portion of the battle is putting the effort in, you know, and that's something that at the coordinator kind of can set from the top down you know, with his assistants is to set, you know, some, some guidelines as, as far as like, Hey, we're going to recruit the heck out of these guys that we want and stuff. So, you know, I, th- I do think there's that, you know, with the names that are being kind of thrown around as far as other assistants, it really does seem like this is the first of at least a few moves that are going to be really almost a little bit of a youth movement. Um, well, Mike Hart also, right. Um, uh, as far as a, a youth style movement and, and getting maybe a little bit more energy in the film right. room on the recruiting trail, you know, uh, but with McDonald, it, you know, and again, I always say, do what you want with the info. Uh, but the biggest thing I was told besides the recruiting stuff was that this definitely is sort of one of those like guys who's on the rise in the profession. And, and I, the biggest thing I can't kind of, forget when thinking about this is that to me, there's zero chance that John Harbaugh would not have given Mike McDonald the best possible um, endorsement. You know, I don't think he would give Jim a guy that he didn't think was ready to call his own defense. Right. I mean,
0: there's just, it's, it'd yeah, be... he wouldn't have oversold McDonald. It,
1: exactly. Yeah. Uh So, you know, that's something you, I think you got to kind of put in your back pocket when evaluating this hire. Uh, but at the same time, there are some unknowns, right? I mean, we're going to see, we're going to find out assume they're going to run a different style of defense. You know, there's been talk of a three, four type, which I think helps some guys on the roster, but could be an interesting situation for others. You know, like what happens with these Vipers that Michigan recruited under Don Brown, you know, where do these guys kind of fit? You know, I think that'll be an interesting little dynamic uh, come springtime when the pads go on or whatever, but you know, overall, Again, I I think it's Harbaugh's defensive hires. Let's just say have been excellent. You can't you can say it was definitely the right move to move on from Don Brown. We've been talking about it for a long time at this point, but you can't say that he wasn't a bad hire in retrospect. Uh, he put together top ten defenses almost every season he was here, and people talk about eight or, uh, eighteen and nineteen against Ohio State. Uh, in 16 and 17, he did more than enough to win those games on his end, right? Uh, it's not as if he never put Michigan's defense in a position to beat Ohio State, you know. The game again in 16, I mean, the defense was the only reason they were in the game to begin with. So, uh, so you know, I think Harbaugh by and large has made really good hires, especially at, at the coordinator spots, and uh you know, it'll be fascinating though. I am I'm, I'm excited. As somebody who covers recruiting, excited, interested to see, you know, kind of a new blood and a new energy on the defensive side of the ball, as far as recruiting goes. So, you know, that, that'll be something to watch and uh yeah, interesting hire, considering the pressure that's on Harbaugh after re-signing and then, uh, you know, the, the extension and stuff, it's a, it's a pretty interesting hire, um, uh, you know, from that standpoint, because I think outside what you would say, it's it's some, something of a risk to hire a young guy who's never called a defense to, mm-hmm. to lead your unit. But he seems to most, I think the vast majority of the time has a knack for finding the right guys at the right time, you know, in these types of situations. So, you know, we'll just have to see, though.
0: Yeah, it, that, that was my thing is it was a big swing. You know, it's a swing for the fences. The last... The last coach, to my knowledge, and feel free to shoot me a message if, I, if I'm overlooking somebody, but I believe the last assistant coach, Jim Harbaugh, hired from the Baltimore Ravens, which of course is significant because his brother's the head coach there. Uh, the last coach he took from the Ravens to, well, certainly to the college level and maybe even just period, was Vic Fangio. And or Fangio, I'm not sure how to say his last name, but regardless, he ended up being a an amazing defensive coordinator for Stanford, and then he followed him to San Francisco. Um, and now he's a head coach of the Broncos. So it's not something it's it's not like he's tapped into the John Harbaugh well time and time again. I mean, he's he's done it when he feels like that's the best option. Um I I'm very curious to see how this goes, because for those that don't know, I think we discussed it with the Don Brown episode. Um, You know, Jim Harbaugh isn't the kind of coach who kind of has his hands in, in both sides of the ball and, you know, his coordinators are kind of the, just the play callers. No, I mean, he, in the past, at least he has completely delegated everything to the defensive coordinator, which in, in some respects makes it a very appealing job for defensive coordinators because they get to run things their way. You know, they're not, I mean, even in, in Baltimore, John Harbaugh's working with the defense. Um, Jim Harbaugh is not that kind of coach. He's, he's very offensive focused. He, he certainly coaches the whole team, but in terms of running the drills, the play calling, the scheming, uh, it's going to be a lot of autonomy for McDonald, who's 35 years old, has not done this before. My assumption is that they're not going to surround him with a total newcomer group. I mean, I I assume there'll be a couple guys, not really knowing off the top of my head, but a couple guys with coordinator experience that will be in that room. Um, But it has to be a big swing. That's the thing that, that stands out to me is that it is a big swing. It probably needs to be if you're Michigan. I mean, they probably do need to take the risk that this guy is going to be you know, the next guru elite defensive mind in football because they just, they just made an objectively awesome hire in Don Brown. I mean, Don Brown was leading Boston college to top five defensive units and it didn't really work out. And, and I, I know people can say, well, you know, the recruiting wasn't there. The recruiting lagged. It wasn't, I mean, Michigan still recruited well on the defensive side of the ball. We added it up. There's 19, uh, returning former top 250 recruits on Michigan's defensive roster next year. And then there's a few more that are, that are coming in, in the 2021 class. So it's, they made it objectively strong higher and it, and it didn't work. And I think the reason why, I mean, it, it worked, but then it's kind of got stale. I think they needed a, a fresh face. I think they needed someone who can really catch people by surprise. You know, some of the other names that were out there or that, that were linked to the Michigan job. I don't know what Michigan's conversations or interests were in, in those coordinators, but it was a lot of known commodities. It was a lot. I mean, and there is some, some reason for that, but I, I almost, I think, I don't know if going for a totally new face is always the better option than, the retread or the guy who just got fired as a head coach or the guy who's been a coordinator for a few years, I think for this situation, the situation Michigan's in, we've talked about it there, the contract extension read to, to myself. And I think you agree with me, Steve, that it kind of set it up as the next two years are really, really critical. Um, I mean, well, they're everything, you know, looking at the buyout, looking at the contract figure, I don't think I think they need like an immediate spark and and part of me big part of me wonders if McDonald can provide that because I don't think he was under vetted I don't think this is a guy you know Michigan didn't do its due diligence on I mean this was someone who has worked with Jim's brother for 7 years and so I'm very curious to hear I assume in the next week we'll kind of get a picture for how he's going to attack recruiting. One has to think the DMV area along with Georgia, where he's from are two areas that Michigan would try its best to kind of pick up the recruiting pace. I know they've recruited Maryland pretty well before uh, and they, they did, did all right with Georgia for a couple of years there, but yeah, it's a big swing, but it's kind of late in the game. Uh, in, in metaphorically speaking, taking the swing metaphor, it's, it's getting close to the ninth inning. You need, you need some extra base hits. So um, I think it's a big swing, but I think it's one that Michigan needed to make.
1: Yeah, that's good. I think that's a good, a good take on it. Cause it is a swing, right? I mean, like I said, when you don't, when there's unknown out there, when there's unknowns out there, you you can't say that there's no risk, right? You can't, this could not be labeled as a safe hire, even with his extensive experience in the NFL coaching, one of the better defenses in the league or helping coach one of the better defenses in the league. And he's had success coaching his given position. Mm -hmm. It's still risky from the idea that it's totally different to be a position coach in the NFL or run versus running an entire defense at the college level. Right. Right. So um, like I said, the, the fallback, or the the to me the one thing to just keep in mind though is I I, I suspect you, know, you can't guarantee anything, but I do think that fans, based on what I know, I think fans will be happy with the effort that will go in on the recruiting trail going forward on and with this one. So and
0: that's that's pretty important. I mean, it's yeah, it is. So you know, we we've talked about Michigan has talent on the defense side of the ball, um, but they need. I mean whether it's transfers or instant impact recruits I mean they they need coaches who are going to give every second of their day to improving it because the defense was terrible last year and I don't it was terrible a little bit because of the injuries and the attrition and the fluky nature of the season but I think 2019 was a very good example that the defense was starting to fade teams are starting to catch on to Don Brown's scheme uh, and then the the lack of talent at certain positions really started to stand out. So they need. I mean, it's an all hands on deck. I mean, Jim Harbaugh's salary got cut in half. That <laughs> that's usually not a sign that things <laughs> that the status quo is going to work for Michigan um, to be successful. And so, in what are they? Thirteen and a twelve and eleven the last two years. Eleven and. 11 and nine, whatever it is. Um, Yeah, lots of work to be done. And I think they do need someone who, you know, I I said when Don Brown got fired, I said, I I think they want someone who will be here for two years and is kind of eyeing a head coaching job. I I still think there's some. Oh, go ahead. No, I think this is
1: somebody who, you know, we're seeing head coaches in the NFL that are like,
0: Yeah, sort of similar to head coach. sort of
1: similar to him as far as the path, right? That's kind of the one thing is you're you're definitely seeing something of a youth movement at least in more than you have in the past at Mm -hmm. both the pro and college level of giving guys opportunities with what you would normally call limited experience. You know, I think who's the guy that the the Chargers just hired? Staley wasn't he like a D three? coordinator like two years ago or three years ago or something now he's the head coach of the la chargers you know it's so, a
0: um well and one thing i will say is if we take if we assume linebackers are considered the quarterback of the defense a 35 year old quarterbacks coach at a, at a sure. on a defense that has had four straight years of being a top five defense in the NFL so if you think about like the top five offenses in college or in the NFL their quarterbacks coaches are getting hired I mean this that would be seen as a it's an amazing hire for Michigan if they got the quarterbacks coach from well I guess <laughs> the Ravens <laughs> you know or, or some of these other programs that are or teams that have really prolific passing attacks so you're right now I will say part of me thought they needed someone with experience to immediately produce good you know so that there's there isn't turbulence there isn't a learning curve Um but I, I do think I, I could be wrong on that and I, I think the fact that this is a heavily vetted assistant coach from on Michigan's end uh, they did not they're not you know they reviewed all the facts they did their due diligence I, I my assumption is based on the the context of the higher Uh, Makes me wonder if they do think they have a star, a rising star on their staff now.
1: Yeah, we'll have to see. I mean, like I said, that's where the unknown comes in. And, you know, we don't know. We don't know what he is as a play caller. We don't really really know the base defense he's going to run. So (laughs) there are a lot of questions left to be answered. But like you said, I think if there was a, I mean, I guess this would be the time to take a risk as far as, you know, a DC hire like that. And right. the thing is also, there, yeah, as I think you kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier, there's no shortage of talent on this unit. It's not as if he's coming into a bare covered type situation, you know? So, um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's kind of an exciting angle to take. I think it'll be fascinating to see, you know, how it works out and where things kind of go from here.
0: Yep. Uh, again, we'll discuss expectations kind of the the bigger picture stuff when they make a couple more of these hires i think i it's been like a month of us anticipating hires but but at the same time i i do expect um, it seems like they're starting to put it in place a little bit and and maybe there'll be an announcement we'll obviously have uh plenty more to come on that just a real quick number to back up what we were saying Michigan is set to return eight of its primary 11 starters on the defensive side of the ball. That's not to mention guys like Taylor Upshaw, who played a lot. Um, Welshoff, you know, Welshoff is another guy who played a lot. Uh, you know, Ben Van Sumrin, I'm not technically counting as one of the primary starters, but um, you know, they're, they're returning Hawkins Hill um, green Jamon Green, I should say, uh, Vincent Gray, you know, Josh Ross, I, I believe, uh, is is coming back for another season. You know, Aiden Hutchinson's the, the big one. Christopher Hinton, um, I I believe Donovan Jeter. I guess I, there's a there's a couple that you know. I guess we'll have to see if they want to make an announcement. But um, to me, I think Hawkins announcing that he was going to come back for another year. That makes me, because he already had his degree, he could have easily done a fifth year somewhere else or just taken a shot at the pros. Uh, I think he did that understanding a little bit more of who the defensive coaches might be, even if the deals weren't finalized at the time. So anyway, plenty more to discuss about that later on. But let's talk about Michigan basketball. Uh, on the other side of this, this very quick break, you're listening to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit hyundaiusa.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. All right, and we're back. Thanks so much for waiting. So Michigan got off to an 11-0 start. We did have a podcast a few couple weeks ago that was talking about their 10-0 start and then they thumped Wisconsin. And then they go on the road at Minnesota, and I—I I guess I mean it was just they lost by nineteen, I, I believe, and so or eighteen, uh, just not a good showing. Not it—it's it, weird. It, it like took out almost a week's worth of momentum that they had built, uh, because I think they're still viewed very highly. We'll talk about the bracket component of things in a moment, but but Steve we can just jump right in how troubling was Michigan's loss at Minnesota and, and the loss itself, I'd say none because teams lose, especially in big 10 road games. I mean, John B line only won about 38% of his big 10 road games. Uh, you know, I'm not sure Jawan Howard's record off the top of my head. I don't think it's much better, but in terms of how they lost, maybe the, the fact that it was the second time they played a team, Um, you know, the, the context of how it happened, how concerning is that to you in terms of Michigan's long-term ceiling?
1: Um, well, obviously we know now how important Eli Brooks is not that we didn't already, but Marcus, (laughs) Marcus Carr was, you know, kind of in control a little bit more in this game.
0: Uh, Brooks leads the big 10 in plus minus, by the way. Right. So and Michigan so far in his 150 minutes, he hasn't played. Michigan has actually been outscored this season.
1: That's a fascinating stat considering the dominant stretch that they just completed. Right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, Marcus Carr when not jacking up like ridiculous shots was <laughs> actually pretty composed and, and made a lot of really good plays was kind of able to get in the lane set things up for other guys, you know, I, my thought, my kind of, my thought going in uh, was if Michigan, like when they lost, cause again, there was no way they were ever going to run the table. Was it, were they just going to lay a dud where you know, it kind of felt like they were a little bit due for sort of a dud, just because I think almost every other team in the conference outside of probably Iowa has had at least one dud, right. Um, at least in conference play.
0: So, Iowa also lost, at Minnesota, for what it's worth,
1: but they lose an overtime though. Was yes. it a good game? And it
0: was on Christmas Day. Yeah, yeah. no. But I, my point is, everyone has lost, and you're right. Every team except maybe Iowa has laid an egg.
1: Right. So, was my thought was like, if the, when they lost, would it be a dud, or would they, you know, would it be like in a in a tight knit game or a tight tight game? So, you know, it was fascinating to see Dickinson kind of look human. Mm-hmm. a little bit only I think the maybe the most troubling stat of the game is that he only took five shots I think that's a little uh, because I feel like what we've seen is that his usage in the offense is what opens everything up and obviously he's been shooting at an outrageous percentage to begin but just the more active he is offensively you know I think the more effective everyone else has been so that was one thing the other thing too I feel like a lot of people on the board mentioned this, and it is something that came to mind for me while watching the game. I think Livers just needs to embrace the fact that he can shoot the ball from outside. I I think he's still doing, trying to do too much in the lane. And I think it's, it's he's making a lot of mistakes when doing yeah. so.
0: Here's a quick stat to back you up. He was three for seven from three point range and he was one for four on twos.
1: Yeah. And so, and again, I don't mean this like negatively. I think he just, I think he like needs to shoot more from the outside because he's a real – I think he's a great shooter. He's might be their best perimeter shooter uh, from the outside. I don't know the statistics on that, but uh, he's got, yeah, he right? yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. I
0: mean, I think Mike Smith's percentage is higher, but Livers has 14 more makes. Sure. So,
1: so yeah, I mean, it was, it was, Kind of one of those deals where everyone sort of had, you know, cause I think Franz at least on the offensive end was not nearly as effective as he mm-hmm. has been. The thing is like, I don't know. It's like, was that because of Minnesota's defense or did Michigan just not really, you know, come in with their a game? You know, that's kind of one of the things I was, curious about i know it's always a little bit of both right it's not as if minnesota didn't do some things that disrupted michigan defensively but i also thought that this was another game and this is the one thing i always look at and said it before or used to say it a lot with beeline is just because like if, if you have a game where you don't score a lot or you're not shooting the ball well it doesn't mean that you're not running your offense effectively it means that you're not hitting your shots because you can run an effective offensive set and not get any points when your guy misses an open shot, it felt like this was a, and this is something that Michigan has been prone to under line and under Howard. And I know every team is prone to it at some point, but it does feel like Michigan does a good job of creating open opportunities for guys and that they just have a lot of, they'll go stretches where they just miss a lot of open shots and open opportunities, particularly from the perimeter. Uh, and this, at least yeah. in the first half, this kind of felt like that again. So I don't know if it's a law of averages thing, you know, where, where they won't do that again, or, you know, they'll do some things differently. I think feeding Dickinson is maybe a little bit more, uh, you know, the, is, is something that they're going to want to do. But I don't know how concerned, you know, what Minnesota's beating teams at home by an average of like 16 points or something, right? And then they're average losing on the road by like the same margin or something. They're like yeah. the <laughs> ultimate Jekyll and Hyde team in conference. So I think really. Uh, This, the next, their next game against Maryland, I think will maybe say a lot more about if this is like going to turn into a slump or if that was just a blip on the radar against a team that really kind of seems to play really good basketball at home.
0: Yeah, I, I'm probably a little bit more concerned or I guess wary of, of what this loss means because, um, they're going to have to play a lot of teams that play well at home the rest of the way. And I guess it it really depends on your expectation. If your expectation is Michigan, be a top 20 team, uh, kind of enter the NCAA tournament with pretty good sweet 16 potential. Then I think they're absolutely right on track. I think if your expectation is they win their first big 10 regular season title since 2014 and they go toe to toe with Iowa, and they're in that kind of like top couple team group of the Big Ten. I think there were some areas that were exposed. Uh, yeah, I think the turnovers are continuing to be an issue. I pointed out uh, on on Twitter that the the Saturday was their highest turnover rate since 2011, and I mean, really, you know, all of the successful teams, John Beeline and and now Jawan Howard have had never turned the ball over like that. And, and as a team or on the season, Michigan's turnover rate is projected to be the highest since 2006, 2007. And so stylistically, I mean, they're making up for it in other ways. Hunter Dickinson is bringing a paint presence. I don't think they've had in over a decade. Uh, You know, I think that they're very experienced. I think they have a really nice blend of, shooters and drivers and and so there's there's plenty to like about the offense and i think the numbers support that but i do think the turnover rate uh is is something to keep an eye on 18.5 percent uh for context that 2018 team that made it to the national championship game and wasn't even an especially electric offense they were at 14 percent, and they were number four in the country michigan Right now is 128 in the country. So, I, you know, it's been something that was kind of that nagging, like if they could improve one thing, this is what it would be. And then I think you saw in 20 turnovers, uh, several early on in the game too, that I think really gave Minnesota uh, a little bit of confidence that they that they probably needed. And, and obviously some some free shots too. If you're turning the ball over 20 times, that means that's 20 fewer shots you get to take as a team. And so um, I think that's one area. And I do, I do wonder, I mean, you mentioned Hunter Dickinson looking human. Does this mean that there is now a kind of a recipe or a blueprint, I should say, to defend hmm. Hunter Dickinson under Michigan's current offense? Cause this happens, all the time. A freshman comes onto the scene, not usually as, as prominently as, as, as Hunter has to his credit, but you know, th- I happened with a lot of Michigan's top freshmen is, uh, around usually it's around late January, early February teams that have faced this, up uh, this player before kind of figure out like, okay, what if, you know, let's try this. And then one team does it and it works. And then suddenly that becomes, uh, the, the, the go-to defense for most teams. And then it's up to the player and Michigan to, to counter, you know, find a new way um, to make Hunter Dickinson effective, find a new way to make the offense hum. And so that's something I am very curious about is, I mean, I don't think Maryland can, because I don't think Maryland has a, has a big man. That's a prominent rotation player. Who's above six, eight. Um, that's just a very good matchup for Hunter Dickinson but other teams thinking about Purdue thinking about uh, you know kind of the rest of the schedule the Indianas the well maybe not Northwestern they're another kind of smaller team Uh, but some of these other teams in the Big Ten Iowa Wisconsin is there a little bit of a blueprint now because once something works you got to think every team's gonna going to try to do it and so That's something. That's another area that I think there might be, might be something worth circling a little bit more uh, in terms of moving forward. Is is Michigan still the front runner in the Big Ten? And actually, I am. Let's let's jump into that question. Michigan lost. They only fell two spots in the net rankings. They're number five in the country in the NCAA net rankings. Uh, You know, bracket wise, they're still. I mean, everything's still in front of them. If they you know, continue to, to progress as they have, as they've looked in the last two weeks, you know, they beat Northwestern, beat Minnesota, beat Wisconsin, you know, they lost, lost to Minnesota the second time, but if they continued the trajectory, they will be a one seed, they will be a two seed. Do you think they can do that? Do you looking at this schedule is Michigan still, should they still be considered along with Iowa, the front runners in the big 10?
1: I mean yeah that we can't they just beat Wisconsin by let's just say f- basically beat, beat them by 40 I don't know how <laughs> much they ended up beating them by at the, what the final score was but I mean that was a game that was Yeah t-
0: just 23 but yeah, it
1: was 69 <laughs> to 29 at one point I mean I don't think one blip And again your points about the turnovers and stuff totally valid I think that was the one common thing that we had discussed in our previous basketball episodes, you know, what's something that biggest thing that needs to be fixed, right? Obviously haven't fixed it. So that's something that, you know, definitely cause for concern, but I don't think one blip, you know, knocks them down. You could, I I think I I would probably say that Iowa's on a neutral court. I would probably pick Iowa to win the conference right now. Right. But I I don't see why Michigan isn't number two based on their body of work so far. Uh, You know, every team it's clear that every team in the big 10 has prominent flaws illinois has kind of been a, a semi disappointment i think given the expectations you know wisconsin we saw like i said we just saw michigan run wisconsin off the floor you know so uh no i don't i don't you know i think they're right there i think i do think michigan and iowa do comprise that first tier right now and i think sort of nothing's changed as far as the biggest thing for me is who out of that like six to you know, or like five to nine area, who is like, who can jump into that? Who's the one that the best shot to jump into that three, four type category, you know, cause all of a sudden Ohio state looks yeah, like a potential issue. Um, you know, Rutgers is kind of falling off a little bit, I think. And so, you know, that'll be kind of fascinating, but I, yeah, Michigan and Iowa to me still at the, at the top in some capacity right now.
0: So I agree I I do think that there is more than meets the eye or I think that the loss is more significant than just the one game. I don't think you can totally put the put the carpet over it and put it in the corner of the room or whatever. I think I think it actually is significant. But I do think Michigan actually lucked out a little bit with their Big Ten schedule this year. They only face Iowa once. It is a home game. They only face. Rutgers, another team that that looks like a Big Ten contender, Uh, they only face them once. It's a home game. Ohio State, you just mentioned them. It is a road game, but they only face them once. And instead, their their double plays are uh, Northwestern, who I think has really fallen off. Maryland, who simply just doesn't look especially good this year. Indiana, who's been kind of up and down. Maybe they turn out to be Better than than I'm thinking, but I I kind of see them as a middle of the pack team. Uh, Penn State, if they reschedule that game, another team Michigan should should be able to handle. And then, of course, Michigan State, who um, I feel like who knows is still really good. But I I, we do have to wait and see, Um, you know, especially aren't they kind of the enigma? Well, they definitely are now, I think, because usually this is kind of when. Michigan State starts building back up. If they if they got off to a rough start, um, they've never had a start like this uh, under Izzo, but if they had a couple early losses, this is kind of when you start to see the, the regrowth, but they can't practice, or, the, or their practices are at the very least limited. So quietly a very manageable schedule for Michigan. They do play Wisconsin one more time. Um, you know they do. they Illinois is another team. They only play them once, and it's at home. Illinois, Rutgers, and Iowa. That's that's about as good of a of a three teams that you only play one home game against as you could ask for in a twenty game schedule. I mean, what are the odds that you know some of the best teams in the Big Ten you're only seeing one time? So I do think they're still in the mix in terms of the Big Ten. Um, You know, I I do think Iowa. You bring up a great point. They they lost once, but it was in overtime. And it was that on the road against a you know top thirty team, so I am I'm I'm dubious of of Michigan being as good as people thought they were last week. I think that might have been the schedule just aligning the right way. I mean Maryland and Nebraska were their only road games. Uh, you know, I know I know the home court advantage isn't the same as it as it usually is, but it still makes a difference. You, it's the basketball you practice with. I still think that's such a weird rule that the NCAA and the Big Ten allow you to have different weight, texture, and size basketballs. Yeah. Uh, it, it it might seem like really small and and you know, I'm certainly not never gonna excuse any team for for it, but I, I just watch the Big Ten, watch how the road team starts shooting the ball, or how they shoot the ball to start the game, I should say. Very rarely do they make, you know, four threes to start the game.
1: That's that's not small at all. It's literally changing the ball that you play the game with. How's that? That's like very significant, I would think. And that's, I, it is. I, we've talked about this. We talked about that last year. I feel like we had a, a, not a rant, but like we talked about that a little bit, like how outrageous of a rule that is. Like
0: you're, you're like, is there any other? I have not come up know? with comparison. Like, that is, I mean
1: just bizarre
0: the closest thing i can think of is like when you in swimming not every pool is like regulated for like all the ph levels and the chlorine levels but like that's that's not nearly the same as like a literal basketball i mean just imagine yeah it's there's a lot of analogies you could do it's but yeah it's so strange that there there can be as much variance as there is but regardless um there's that there's the sight lines. There's the fact that you are traveling. There's the fact the other team is very comfortable playing where they are. I mean, even little things like Michigan, I know they don't have the fans, but, but they do have some fans and they do have, I mean, everything feels the same. They get their starting lineup introductions. Uh, you know, Anthony Bolino does a great job as their, as their PA announcer, uh, you know, kind of bringing a home court vibe to it all. So, There's little things. I mean, they still have to play a lot of road games. They still have to play one, two, three, four, five, six, seven road games. So that's not nothing. Um, You know, that's a lot, a lot of challenges, a lot of quadrant one games still remaining on the schedule. I think right now they are three and one in quadrant one games. There's a couple teams that are right on the border there, Um, but they are expected to have five more, six more. And, and last year they were six and 10 in quadrant one games and they were 13 and two against everyone else. So there is a difference. And so, um, that's something to keep in mind or keep an eye on is, you know, take Purdue. I think Michigan beats Purdue on home court. I don't know about you, Steve. I feel like Michigan is the better basketball team than Purdue, but how quickly does Michigan acclimate itself? How does it handle Travion Williams, who had a great game against Michigan last season. You know, how, does Purdue, does Matt Painter have a kind of borrow Richard Patino's strategy, kind of add his own craft to it? And does he have a really good game plan against Michigan? So there's, you know, that's a game to keep an eye on. Uh, I think, you know, Indiana, Wisconsin, Ohio State, those are some other road games that, um, not to mention Michigan State, that could be really interesting. So and, Purdue,
1: Purdue's been very hot and cold,
0: right? I think so. Yeah. And Williams wasn't, they've won, he, was, they've won three straight. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, Williams you're right. They the
1: got Williams. Is Is it? Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt, but Williams just for recollection was the guy that like made everything he threw up last year against Michigan. Didn't he have like the most outrageous game?
0: Yeah, it was it was just like, did he comical. hit that
1: fa- fade away three? Like it was something like just some bizarre shots and stuff. Like he's a great player though. I mean, didn't he just beat Michigan state? Right.
0: Yeah, and he's he's already made a hundred two pointers this year. Wow. Um yeah. So he's he's good. I mean, he's no he's no joke. And I think I think it'll be a tough. Ch- I know Michigan won relatively easily at Purdue last season, even with a sold out crowd. But I've I've been to a couple Michigan losses at Mackey Arena. I it's it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a a challenge. And and to me, that's that's where michigan's season gets decided those those five road games i mentioned um you know i I think that they'll actually handle their business if they end up playing purdue on the road or penn state excuse me but i think some of these uh these quadrant one road games that's that's going to decide the big 10 championship because i think they can hold serve relatively well in home games i would frankly be a little surprised if they lost a home game this year uh but iowa or not iowa ohio state <laughs> wisconsin purdue indiana um you know those are those are the games in michigan state you could throw in there as well potentially that's that's what's going to decide uh the if michigan is a big 10 title contender and and i still think no matter what they can hit the reset button and play uh the the uh, NCAA tournament well. I don't think that them not winning the Big Ten means they can't win the national title or can't make a Final Four. But I do think that that will tell us a lot about kind of how this team handles adversity because that's, that's the key. They didn't come out looking good at Minnesota. I mean, they came out flat. There were some early turnovers, uh, some missed shots that I think Michigan was used to them going in some defensive lapses, I, I guess I would say. But then they never got up off the mat. And it's fine if it's one game, but I think over the course of the season, if you're looking for a team to contend into April, which is the expectation Jawan Howard has set uh, in press conferences, then I, I do think you're looking for a team that can say, okay, that was a really rough opening eight minutes. Now let's win the basketball game. You know, that's, that's maybe maybe the next step. And that's something that we'll see because I don't think this is going to be the only time Michigan gets, you know, kind of punched in the mouth to start the game.
1: Also. And again, I'm not going down this road because I thought Minnesota played really well. Definitely deserved a win called pretty tightly early. Right. I think that puts Michigan in, put Michigan in a bind when
0: it did Brooks with Brooks being out, especially now, Liam Robbins had two fouls before Hunter Dickinson had one. So it's, or he was out with two fouls while Dickinson was out with one. Um, yeah, that is something to keep in mind. Minnesota, they draw a lot of fouls. That's kind of their game. But yeah, Michigan felt like their def- their ability to defend without fouling was elite before Saturday. So that is something to keep in mind, too, is um, maybe it was just one day thing. But if games are going to start to be called a little bit tighter or if certain things Michigan got away with, early at on home, the season yeah at home
1: versus the road right I mean that's a natural it's kind of the natural thought again not going down that road it had nothing to do with the actual outcome right. of the game but it did change you know I think it changed things up a little early you know for them yeah. to kind of have to juggle things and we saw how difficult a uh, couple of those lineups they put together struggled you know so
0: yeah yeah no absolutely and that that is something to keep in mind is, is how, how does the depth develop? Because I think they have us. think they have a few guys that if they plug them into the starting lineup, so like Shondi Brown, I think they can put him in to, you know, the traditional starting lineup and they're like, he's going to be great. I mean, it's a one, it's almost a one for one substitution with, with whoever he replaces. Uh, you know, I think Brandon Johns, I think they feel like he can be really good on both ends of the court off the bench. And I think, um, they feel pretty good about Austin Davis as well. But I think if they have to put two or three bench guys in at the same time, I think that's when uh, the wheels start to fall off the track a little bit. I think that's, I think, I think they have good bench players. I don't know if they have a bench that can win on its own. If that makes sense where I don't think they, and most, very few teams do, but where. If they have three or four reserves in the game, it's not going to go well. Uh, at least not right now. Maybe Michigan continues to improve, but from what we've seen, that's something to keep in mind. So that's that's where the Brooks factor is, is big. Not only does Eli Brooks lead the Big Ten in plus minus, not only is he has he proven himself as uh, for I would argue, the best defender in the Big Ten. I haven't seen every Big Ten team consistently, but Uh, He's got to be up there, but then it also suddenly that backcourt looks really thin. So that's the other factor is how healthy can this team remain? Because I do think, I think you're right. I think the bench has room for improvement. I'd put it that way.
1: So Zeb Jackson's not quite ready yet, right? I mean, he really struggled on Saturday when he was in there.
0: Yep. Which is pretty normal i mean hunter dickinson's yeah. kind of making everybody look bad <laughs> no it's not, a, that's not even a, but right you know Z- xavier simpson eli brooks um you know two two michigan point guards the past couple of years who needed a year you can argue eli brooks needed two years um you know it's that's very normal and very common uh but it does it does put michigan in a tough situation if one of its starters is out i think they can sustain it at the forward position uh you're kind of the eyes isaiah liver's position but i think everywhere and the and franz wagner kind of at the three uh the wing and the forward i think they can sustain an injury there probably not at guard or center um at least in the long long term i don't that that would that would hamper them which is okay. normal very few teams are 10 deep in their rotation so right. um uh, we'll we'll keep an eye on everything. Obviously, we'll have some stories. Michigan plays Maryland on Tuesday, so they come back home and and not a ton of time to dwell on the Minnesota loss. Um, they got another game to play. They did beat Maryland on the road. Uh, I think Maryland. What are they? Two and five in the Big Ten. Um, eight and six overall. They beat Wingate, so that must have been a makeup game for something. Uh, they beat Wingate on Friday, anyways. Uh, for Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24 seven podcast. If you like the episode, uh, throw us a rating, subscribe, tell your friends about it. They might enjoy it too. Read all of our stories over at the Michigan insider.com, sports.com. Probably. I don't want to set the expectation. I would guess there will be a football podcast talking about a full or mostly full Full, hey come on yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) maybe maybe a couple more hires hopefully (laughs) full by spring ball at this yeah yeah well (laughs) well season starts in nine months uh anyway uh hope you had fun hope you learned something we'll see you next time